Hi, Steve Cooper, Rank Success, and welcome to another uh, podcast where I'm going to share some food for thought with you. And today's topic, or the subject of this particular podcast, is some feedback, some considered detailed feedback that I've had from an inspector candidate this week. Had a real role this week, on a real role this week with results, both for sergeants and inspectors coming in with feedback. And I'll publish those to my uh, testimonials page at ranksuccess.co.uk in due course. Uh, But I wanted to focus on this um, particular um, testimonial or detailed feedback from this individual. Because it's got so many things in it that I think might be interesting for you to listen to as an aspiring promotion candidate, uh, leader, manager, supervisor because it's just so um, full of insights in relation to how this particular individual uh, prepared for their opportunity, converted their exam and their leadership aspiration, and it wasn't the first time this individual had gone for promotion. So the thing for me was this, is this, this was this individual's fifth attempt, fifth promotion board. And that's not an unusual story for me, as I sometimes allude to, in my um, podcasts and in my blogs, etc. So, for those of you listening to this as a as a first po- um, podcast, I provide lots and lots of free content for you. So, if you're someone who thinks you might want to uh, get promoted, uh, either now or in the future, then you don't have to spend a penny, so to say. You can go and have a look at the most and the f- the, the best free promotion content uh, on policepromotion.blog which is where I share uh, blogs, detailed blogs on policing and leadership issues uh, and current context and topical issues. I also share food for thought on YouTube, uh, little short videos and insights for you Um, and I also uh, offer this podcast uh, and you'll find lots and lots and lots of podcasts uh, to help you so you can listen to them while you're walking your dog, driving in your car as people sometimes allude to and uh, understand that you are um, supporting your thinking and you are learning. I don't, I don't seek to um, teach you anything. I only want to make you think. So if you're thinking uh, together with your own experience and knowledge within policing, you're also learning uh, by reflecting and by uh, the signposting and direction and guidance if you want to go and take a look at what I talk about. So I'll just bring this back to this uh, particular um, feedback that I've received this week. And when I receive feedback like this, I mean, it really does, it boosts my mood. Um, I'm, I'm on a high for the day, for the week, uh, this case for the whole week, because I can't believe these uh, insights that are coming in. And, and it, for me, it's proof of the pudding. So often cops will want to say, yeah, well, what's in it for me? Will it work for me? If I'm going to spend some money, Steve, will it work for me? And as those of you who, who know me or have listened to me speak before, uh, there's no guarantees. I can't guarantee you anything. Nobody can. But what I can do is kind of intimate to you and signpost and direct to you and offer, in, as in this case, the experience of other officers actually going through this year after year after year. And I've been doing this for what nearly 10 years now since I've uh, retired from policing myself. Uh, and... I've shared hundreds and hundreds of testimonials. It's into thousands now, but um, I want I want to really focus on this one because I think it captures and encapsulates so much that if you are listening to this while you're driving your car or walking your dog or on your commute, that you can pick up some insights into yourself, into this individual's approach, into the process, and perhaps into uh, some kind of plan for yourself uh, to you know, make the best of the opportunity you want. A promotion is a kind of rite of passage. Uh, you can easily um, sidestep and sidetrack and get involved and dragged down uh, by arguments around whether promotion is fair or not. Uh, I kind of short-circuit that straight away and say, it's not fair. Of course it's not fair. Um, you know, If you put the work in, you'll prevail. And this testimony I'm about to kind of cover is proof of that. There's hundreds and hundreds of others that do it as well. And yet sometimes um, there are individuals, there are officers who 
um, literally are being dragged down by uh, negative aspects. No, no, there's no such thing as a perfect promotion system. There never has been, and probably and until you've been interviewed by an AI robot, uh, and, and whether that's perfect or not, I don't know, there probably never will be what I call the holy grail of promotion selection processes. And you'll probably hear uh, when I've interviewed chief constables and senior officers, I ask them the question, you know, what is the holy grail of promotion? And, uh, you know, it is elusive. Uh, so what you've got is what you've got, is what your force offer you. It's the best that your force can do in the current circumstances with all the information around. Uh, and so there's no point uh, trying to be dragged down. I often think about officers who, who want to spend their valuable time, and this is exhausting and emotionally draining uh, as it can be, as this, this testimonial will allude to. So why do you even want to step over to the side of you know, well, promotion's unfair, let's talk about that, let's waste our valuable time talking about that. It's almost like sometimes you see these big, massive wildebeest or water buffalo, uh, and they're trying to get past, <laughs> they're trying to get past a, a pride of lions, and there's like nine lionesses hanging off the back of these wildebeest or water buffalo, and they're trying to gain some traction to try and escape. Uh, and sometimes they do, they're, the lionesses fail, uh, but it often conjures up my mind where officers want to enter into the debate and spend their valuable time. It's a bit like they're being held back by those nine lionesses uh, when they're actually trying to get going, get that momentum, head towards, you know, smashing through the opportunity that a promotion uh, selection process offers you to progress your career and to move through your uh, policing experience and get different perspectives from the ranks and different experiences and to develop and to learn and to grow as a leader and to lead other people uh, to manage yourself manage your work manage your team but ultimately through that to develop yourself within your career of policing hopefully pick up extra pay if that's what one of your motives is but also to develop yourself in terms of your career okay so that kind of sets the scene for this testimony it's just the one testimony it's i was quite surprised by the uh, um, amount of feedback i got here and i think it reflects this individual's plan so what i'll do is i'll read it first and then i'll go back in and and for the purposes of the podcast just share some insights with you about where i think um, there's some value for you in listening further of course as you know um, with these podcasts if you say, well, okay, thanks, Steve, thanks for explaining what this is about. I'll pick it up later. I'm going to get back off shift or tomorrow on my rest day. Uh, or I just want to hit the ground running. I've already heard enough. So you can go straight to my site and download. So that's ranksuccess.co.uk and download a bespoke digital toolkit for sergeant, if you're aspiring to sergeant, or for inspector or chief inspector, if you aspire to those two ranks, that covers a whole range of information for you so, it so you can just hit the ground running. Uh, sit down and start your prep that day. Um, okay, so starting this testimonial now. Um, <clears throat> Steve, just a few lines to share with you. I finally passed my inspector board at my fifth attempt. I can't thank you enough for the content, ideas and information you provide in your inspector digital toolkit and exclusive content in addition to your free blogs. Your guides and mnemonics help me recall relevant information whilst keeping my evidence above and beyond the strategic awareness that the role of inspector needed for my interview. This investment in myself was certainly worth the money spent. This was the only board I walked out of and could not remember a thing about the questions. This was also a mentally draining experience. During the interview, I did feel I built a good rapport with the panel who asked me questions around my evidence that I felt indicated they were interested in my evidence rather than going through the motions. I believe this led to having a conversational type interview, although it didn't quite feel like it at the time. On reflection, it was. I feel I prepared well. I knew I had approximately four months to prepare and during that, I split time amongst the key areas, rear and forward facing questions and the presentation. I worked with your material as an exam timetable. 
I was accountable to myself and I spent sufficient time on each key area. I've never prepared for an interview board like this with such planning and application, but it definitely worked. I spent time developing and refining my presentation skills, including getting the timings exact. I worked on the theory of three for my presentation, three issues I would address and three points for each issue I identified. From writing this out, tweaking and committing it to memory, in addition to mock and practice presentations, this built up to around 30 hours of study time. For prep on rear-facing questions, I took your advice regarding writing out my example in full first. I later reduced this to make it feel natural to talk about and not sound scripted. On my forward-facing questions, I again adopted the power of three, giving three things I would do, how and why in answering the question. I honestly felt I was preparing for multiple exams, but by splitting each key area into an hour of study, I would leave no stone left unturned by committing sufficient time to understand each one. All of the below from your inspector toolkit stood out for me. Personal statement. I was asked, have you got anything to add to your questions? In response, I gave them a great rally cry at the end of my interview on why they should pick me. I felt really good giving them my considered speech as I shared my passion, including my why, as per Simon Sinek. Although I couldn't remember any of the main questions I was asked, I do recall my why me speech. Your evidence formula, remembering LCO, allowed me to make sure I kept my responses at inspector level and not fall back or default to sergeant level, which I had done previously. Strategic awareness, linking this into my answer. Similar to the above, this allowed me to keep looking up at the strategic direction and not just out of the trenches as per a sergeant's answer. Your blogs kept me keeping myself appraised of issues talking points and the wider awareness of policing that I could add into my answers. This inspired me to do my own research around the Federation Welfare and Morale Staff Surveys to have a greater depth around staff issues for any welfare type questions. My return on investment is significant. I'm definitely all in on the return on investment concept. The cost is now insignificant when considering my pay rise and linked pension. For example, as you say, you get it back in your first inspector pay. No idea why I hadn't come across your material prior to this. Rank Success was actually the third provider I used over recent years. Others didn't work for me, including an online group uh, that met once a week, uh, asked a question and then practiced their example online. In the two-hour session, approximately four questions were asked or discussed, and I didn't feel it was an effective use of my time. Another provider I found to be very specific to the CVF. Practically used all the behaviour indicators, for examples, and I found the process was more about the CVF than answering the question. Rank Success was a clear winner. Your in-depth free blogs and guides and paid-for material was something I resonated with. I found it specific direct, easy to follow and add various levels to applying guidance on answering questions. For the first time in years I'm going to rest and settle firmly into my new post without having to worry about any upcoming boards, paper sifts or applications. I've definitely earned it. I've achieved my goal I set out and I want to enjoy this moment. As per your guidance for CPD and development plans, this will allow me to collate and consider evidence for future opportunities and I'm really looking forward to showing what I can do and see where the next chapter of my career takes me. I feel I'm on the right path to success, finally. Uh, new Inspector. So that's the end of that testimonial. Um, as you can hear, it's probably quite comprehensive. It's probably the most comprehensive bit of feedback that I've received in one go from one individual but for me I think there's so many um, insights hopefully that you you can pick up 
about what what's possible, what you can do to prepare effectively for promotion. And you will know from my other podcasts and perhaps some of my videos that the single biggest thing that cops don't do is give themselves the uh, benefit, the chance, the opportunity of time to prepare. Now, this individual alludes to four months, but clearly there have been four previous attempts at trying to get through the inspector process. Now, that's not unusual um, that you know officers try more than once. I think the most you'll see on my testimonials that someone's ever tried is 12 times. 12 promotion boards. Now, you know, even if you do it once, uh, and sometimes some people need to do it once, they actually need to go for a process to understand and to feel and to, to get an idea of what it, what it feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like. What is this mysterious opportunity, this selection process? Uh, and they have to run at the wall and crash and burn and pick themselves up and do it again. And many people are often successful the second time. Not everybody, though. Uh, and uh, the individual also alludes to, to finding range success. So again, that's why I'm doing this podcast, uh, is, is if you find uh, me or my services or the, the opportunity you have uh, for resources through this podcast, then great. But lots of cops just don't give themselves the time. So, uh, and again, I've, I won't spend too much time talking about that, but just recently, even this week, people are finding out they've got through the inspector's exams. And they will choose, many of them, uh, not to convert that exam result into uh, promotion success. So in effect, they're, they're stood there holding a ticket for a journey that they are procrastinating about going on when they're already committed to having spent months of study. So having a breather, recharging your batteries for a while, and then trying to take your first opportunity uh, this year, next year, to try and get into this process and convert the whole exam into promotion success is, uh, you know, is one course of action. Many uh, don't do that. Uh, time, events, other lateral career progression perhaps uh, gets in the way or it, uh, is allowed to play out. Uh, and yet you decided you wanted to go for promotion and took the exam. So you have a limited time five years to you know convert that exam result and, and I hear from lots of officers and, and I've alluded to it before who ring me from what I call the last chance saloon and those five years have uh, disappeared evaporated somehow life got in the way and now it's desperate now Steve I need to pass it this year because this is my last chance and if I don't do it and if I don't pass I have to take the exam again. And of course, you probably know what that entails, months and months of study again. So uh, I was really pleased to get this particular testimony because I think it alludes to lots of insights around that. This individual had already done four boards and been unsuccessful previously. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of revisit some parts of what he said and share some insights with you uh, that I think might, might be helpful uh, for you to listen to. Um, and you know, and, and if not, then you've just listened to my dulcet brummy tones, but hopefully there's something valuable in there that you will pick up uh, in terms of going forward with your own approach to promotion. Mm -hmm. So the first thing for me is, uh, you know, the initial bit uh, where he talks about it being his fifth attempt, but I can't thank you enough for the content, the ideas, and the information. So that content is free content, uh, so as I've alluded to, free blogs, free podcasts, free guides, free YouTube videos. There's a whole load of stuff there uh, to help support uh, and encourage and inform you if you want to then go ahead and download a digital toolkit and, and treat your uh, development seriously. Um, but the question for me really that kind of hits there is, you know, this is my fifth attempt. So the question for me is, you know, so what happened this time? What was different this time? How did things change this time? And I think the individuals alluded to, you know, things like mnemonics, uh, LCO, which is uh, a specific way of um, a little mnemonic just to help you think about presenting your evidence as an inspector at, at a more strategic level. So there's three elements there. 
um, and there's another little mnemonic eat D uh, uh, so echo alpha tango delta uh, and, and lots of other mnemonics and mnemonics are something I quite like I often encourage officers to think about and to use and I give examples of mnemonics because why would you want there's enough information for you to have to remember anyway uh, for an interview or a selection process or an assessment center so why not just bank it with a mnemonic and a mnemonic is a way of you remembering a, or chunking a load of information uh, so that you only need to remember it in a short format rather than a longer one um, the individual goes on to say this is the only board that I walked out of so out of these five boards this was the only one that he walked out of and couldn't remember a single thing afterwards and a bit of a memory block uh, it, it alludes to it being a mentally draining experience a memory block is not unusual not unusual at all to have a memory block if you come out because you're so focused on getting across what it is you want to say and I encourage you when you're ready when you're prepared to go in there and you've got your summary information uh, that you want to get across to a board uh, you'll have a, you'll have a, a body of information that a summary of it that you will want to get across to a board and I encourage you to to get 80 90 percent of that across to a board you know go in there I will get this information communicated to the panel and that is a a, a good way of um, I mean when I see that you come out completely out of memory block and, and it's mentally draining then of course it is I mean that's one of the kind of side effects or effects of it um, during the interview I did feel that I built good rapport with the panel who asked me questions around my evidence that I felt indicated they were interested in my evidence rather than going through the motions. So I think that's an important aspect because one of the things that I encourage uh, and get you to think about is you know, what kind of interview do you want? Will you spend some time now thinking about making that tangible? Do you want to walk in and be nervous and uncertain and awkward? Um, or do you want to walk in reassured and, and confident in your preparation so that you can manage the interview process? Hang on a minute, Steve. I thought that's what the panel were there for. No, you're as much a part of managing that interview process as they are. They get very little to do. They have a list of prepared questions and they will ask you, a question what's that take 10 seconds you've then got probably the best part six or seven minutes to respond and in that response you have to answer the question of course you do but think broadly think a response to the question rather than answering the question so if you think about the experience you want to have do you want to just walk in and go good morning they ask you a question and you literally fill the vacuum immediately afterwards with a nervous staccato stuttered response and hope you machine gunned enough information at the board to have said something right or do you want to actually go in there and say well you know thank you very much for that question um i'd be surprised on an inspector board if i hadn't got that one uh, there were two points to that question, if I remember correctly. Can I, I'd just like to answer the first point, uh, if I may, uh, as follows. And if you just listen to the, the confidence in that, it's perfectly possible for you to do that as well. But only if you allow yourself time to think it through. So think through what kind of board experience do I want to have? What do I need to do for that to happen? And what's the best way to prepare for that in terms of giving myself some time now? And I suppose what I'm alluding to here in terms of a conversational type interview, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure for a board to do that, to, to actually meet a well-prepared candidate who is well-read, well-briefed, well-informed, well up on the, the role responsibilities and functions and dimensions, uh, well uh, aware of developments in current policing and, and the climate, of policing at that particular time and when you do that you're more relaxed so you're more happy to engage with the board around things and to share your thoughts around what's going on so you know volunteering well look my own thoughts on that at the moment are and this is the kind of thing that helps candidates stand out and there is a model in my digital toolkit which will help you 
uh, and has been reported back by lots and lots and lots of candidates that help them uh, think about a, a, a more conversational way of responding in interview. And that model that I allude to is called Enamel, uh, and it's in the toolkit. It just helps you think through and work through uh, in a conversational way uh, responses as well as answering the question. So, uh, and, and the individual also then goes on to say, I knew I had approximately four months to prepare and I split everything down into key areas, uh, rear and forward facing questions. So again, types of interview, okay? So it's a competency based interview you're generally going for uh, in, in policing in the UK at the moment. Uh, and uh, those competencies come from the competency and values framework. Uh, what do you know about that? Can you talk about that for five minutes? Imagine the first question that a board have said to you is, you know, good morning. If you have someone on your team who wants to develop themselves for promotion and they ask you, could you tell me please and summarize for me what the CVF, the Competency and Values Framework is please, sir or ma'am. Um, humor us for a minute and just tell us what you'd say to them. You've got five minutes. Now, when I generally ask people, could you tell me what you know about the CVF? Most candidates uh, have a difficulty in doing that. And that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm not doing it to be awkward. I'm doing it to highlight the gap that exists, which is you can't talk about it for five minutes. And that's a gap. If you can talk about it for five minutes, you can tell the individual that asks you, you can explain it to a board. But more importantly than that, you can really kind of apply it to your thinking and approach, to your evidence, to your responses in interview, and your general thinking and awareness around what the CVF is, what it's designed to do, why that framework and not the PPF, the MLF, the MPF, the ICF, why that particular framework. Uh, and of course, you know, you can sit back and go, well, look, if I met a, 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 an inspector that was walking down the street who passed a CVF exam or assessment or interview, would I have any idea or inkling or would that individual look different physically or in any other way to someone who'd been assessed three or five years previously on the PPF, the Policing Professional Framework? Well, no, of course they wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to notice that difference. But the point being is you're not being assessed on the previous frameworks, you're being assessed on this one. And I've already written blogs around the fact it's a postcode lottery of police promotion. Um, there are different frameworks in place. There are different selection processes in place in different forces at different times for different ranks. And it's all musical chairs again the next year because it all changes again. That's just the way it is. That's when I say promotion isn't fair, but the world isn't fair. So all you can do is, as this individual has done, is have a look at the scope, the playing field, and the parameters that you have to operate in and the framework you'll be assessed in against and uh, you know do the best that you can so in short this individual had four months to prepare and had a plan a plan from today moving forward and moving backward from the day of the board you know what needs to have happened on the run-up to that board for you to arrive knock the door and walk in and think which of you on the panel have got questions for my answers. Now, as I always say, I wouldn't suggest for a minute you say that to the panel, but if you arrive and you can think that to yourself, which of you have got answers, have got questions for my answers? That signifies and indicates a solid state of preparation where you are on the other side of the door waiting to go in, genuinely inspired and genuinely curious about what it is that they're going to ask you because you've done so much work that when you walk in you can't wait to release it you can't wait to engage with the panel now that is a state of expectation that's expected of you as a promotion candidate that's the game that's laid on for you when you walk in that's the reception it's your opportunity then in that environment to convert and make it the best you can and capitalize on that situation. And you do that by the depth and the breadth of your preparation before you even walk in. So that you don't go in thinking, I hope I make it through this. 
a bit like when you get taught to kind of um, punch in karate, you don't just punch and stop at the barrier, you punch through it. You punch three, six inches through it in both the way you're thinking and physically. Same as sprinters, top level sprinters, when they do the 60 meters or 100 meters, they don't run up and sprint to the line, do they? They literally sprint at full pelt past the finish line into the mattresses that catch them at the other end. Because that's the focus. Same kind of thing with your promotion panel. You're walking in there and you hope to smash it. Smash it out the ballpark. Give the best performance of your life. Because they're looking to promote you in a, often a highly competitive environment. And to promote you unfairly on what you say on that day over and above many of your peers and colleagues who are your competitors who also want to be promoted so you know what will you do now while you're listening to this podcast what can you do and hopefully some of the insights in this will help you think around that uh, as well as the fact you can just at any time just download the toolkit and start straight away uh, and accumulate this this knowledge yourself uh, and work upon it and mix it in with your own experience okay um just working through the, the testimonial, I've never prepared for an interview board like this with such planning and application, but it definitely worked. And then goes on to talk about, I spent time developing and refining my presentation skills, including getting the timings exact. Well, look at that. Just, just there in a sentence is, I spent time developing my skills. An interview is a contrived... Um, situation in which many people don't do well without preparation it's contrived it's unnatural to actually be interviewed you know many people don't like it and yet it is a consistent theme in promotion selection processes and people have to work really hard at it um, it's hard to speak in public if you're not someone who's naturally gifted at that or who hasn't put in weeks and weeks of work before an opportunity to do that or before you're required to do it. And uh, I've been to speaker clubs. Um, they call it after dinner speaking, which I think is a misnomer. It uh, probably puts a lot of people off, off that. But if you go to your local um, speaker club, um, it's a fantastic place where you will find people who are entrepreneurs, young lawyers, um, people who have to speak in public uh, and who are absolutely sick and dread with nerves. They absolutely dread these, these uh, requirements of their role. And they walk into a warm, inclusive, welcoming environment where they are supportively coached and nurtured through speaking uh, opportunities. And developing that skill is something that some people have to do uh, and I suppose what we're alluding to here is uh, a promotion interview uh, is I mean some people talk about it as feeling as though they they're on trial for their life and they are a lamb to slaughter that it's a monstrous situation that they dread and they're in awe of well okay that's fine that's one way of thinking about it but actually preparing for it if it's something that's ahead of you is something you can do and there are lots of ways to do that my toolkits will help you with that this individual alludes to developing their skills uh, around presentations so part of an interview uh, or assessment process may also include a presentation or a briefing scenario again these are big areas or big gaps for people because when you start thinking about oh i've got an interview and a presentation or a briefing and as this individual alludes to, they walk out of the assessment centre mentally drained. Well, that's the same for fast track process um, individuals as well. And you'll see blogs I've written for fast track candidates and testimonials from fast track candidates that they also talk about being mentally drained after the assessment centre. It's a real stiff challenge, you know, and it should be, particularly if you've got a healthy situation where you've got lots of aspiring uh, managers, leaders, supervisors who want to get promoted, they've got to get through this bottleneck, this assessment centre or process in order to progress their careers. That's a healthy situation for policing, for the public, 
uh, whatever cops or whatever you might think about it it's good for panels to be able to choose from good great you know prepared candidates um, and yet lots of people go oh you know the wrong people get through promotion so um, you know a bit of reverse psychology who doesn't get through promotion who doesn't get promoted there's a question for you to think through the point being is you know you've got to learn the rules of the game the rules of the game change every year <laughs> but generally they're consistent and interviews are consistent as a theme so you have an early telegraphing uh, that that's what you'll have to face so will you choose to develop any skills that you need to develop as you go forward because often those skills are relevant skills so some people will say well an interview is not relevant Stephen I go okay well what about when you're interviewing people for posts as a sergeant or as an inspector so staff recruitment that's often something that's that's kind of coming down the line now so doing structured interview training which I know is going on in different forces at the moment so that will definitely part of your skills um, <coughs> presentations and briefings well they're definitely part of the inspectors and the sergeant's roles you're expected to be able to do that um, I know of one occasion where uh, an individual as a sergeant had never done any briefings had never done any presentations was successful on a promotion board and the next day or the next week I think it was they had to brief 75 people twice uh, in a gym in a gymnasium for a football match and that was the first time they would ever ever step in front of that amount of people and brief them and you can imagine how the individual felt at the time and, and it didn't actually go very well either um, so practicing a presentation or a briefing is something that will be assessed um, and is often assessed in a promotion selection process so preparing for it to come back to this testimonial is there are skills there will be gaps that you have in your skills and your abilities that you will need to fill and they may be different to what other candidates will have to do some people may say well look I do briefings all the time I'm really confident about that but I'm a bit nervous about the interview and what kind of questions will I face and they're alluded to in this testimonial forward-facing and rear-facing questions and I've done blogs on them and I've also done videos on them and they're in the toolkit um, <coughs> which is about so the rear-facing ones are the, the um, typical you know can you give us an example of what you've done recently in relation to this competency or tell us about a time when you've done this and the forward-facing questions are how will you or what would you do uh, in the role and often you know forces are mixing and matching those those question styles in an interview in a um, competency based interview so <coughs> some forces only do forward facing questions so I think it's West Midlands last year and the year before six forward facing questions is your promotion um, process or interview so that's good guidance good telegraphing and if you knew that and you can get you know into the the mode of thinking that's necessary for that that's fine other forces will do two rear facing two forward facing uh, and some forces do strengths based questions and again I've done blogs on those um, as a candidate I would say get stuck in get stuck into all of those questions because you're not wasting your time it's time well spent <coughs> um, by looking and briefing yourself and familiarizing yourselves with all of those okay um, just sticking with this the rule of threes the individual talks about I worked on the theory of three for my presentation he also talks about the power of three well that's a, a kind of direct kind of link to my toolkits where I talk about if you're someone who's uh, has to do a presentation or a um, uh, briefing then the rule of threes is something for you to consider uh, human beings are hardwired to the rule of threes and if you walk in and say you're going to deliver this five six seven nine point briefing um, no you're not you're not going to do that um, you're mistaken you're never going to do that in a 10 minute briefing and in any case no one cares pretty brutal way of me saying that I get that but what I'm trying to say is the rule of threes is a helpful tool a helpful way of thinking through presentations the boards want a succinct um, indication uh, given the task you've been given of how you deal with this briefing or this um, presentation and you know they want to get an idea of how you think and how you will you know behave uh, as a uh, 
promote, newly promoted leader. Uh, and that's what it's all about. So the rule of threes is a tool, something for you to think about, um, whether you call it the power or the theory of threes, it doesn't really matter. What I'm talking about here is the fact that humans are uh, hardwired into the rule of threes. And if you can communicate considering the rule of threes, that will help you not only in a presentation, uh, uh, but as alluded to here, it helps lots and lots and lots of promotion candidates. So, you know, if you're talking to Women's, in Women's Institute, perhaps on making scones or jams, you know, you may have more time. It may be a half an hour or an afternoon with tea and biscuits. Uh, the point being is you can cover a lot more points and people are more relaxed. But in your presentation, you've probably been given 45 minutes to prepare for a 10 minute presentation. Uh, and, you know, the board know that's a particularly tough challenge for you. But it's not if you've done all the thinking beforehand, because I encourage people to do the thinking beforehand, to use some of the thinking in the digital toolkits and be able to walk in and go, I don't care what scenario is written for me on that bench or is written on that table on the other, other side of the piece of paper. I've already got an idea of the structures I'm going to use. I have some alternative choices and structures to help support my thinking in delivering this 10 minute presentation. The individual also talks to working on getting the timings exact. Well, I've sat down with chief inspector candidates who have done a 10 minute briefing and listened to them again and again and again with an egg timer. And you set the egg timer to 10 minutes and it's a great way of pra practicing. You obviously can use your, your mobile phone if you want to. to. What does it feel like to deliver a presentation in 10 minutes? What does it sound like? You know? What do you look like when you're doing it? Do you look in control or do you look like you're waiting for that clock to go off? All of this can be managed. But generally it takes about 10 hours practice for every uh, minute of presentation that you've got, or an hour, sorry, for every minute of presentation you've got. So if it's a 10 minute presentation, that's 10 hours of preparation. Well, this individual alludes to 30 hours. But of course, that's the difference on the day between someone who actually makes a mess of it and someone who actually arrives really slick 30 seconds just before the clock goes off. And you do get marked on those exercises if you're considerably over or considerably under. So that's the importance of, you know, you get given 10 minutes for a reason. Are you able to structure and deliver a briefing in those 10 minutes? Have you practiced it beforehand? If you have, you're more likely to succeed and to communicate, which is what it is. It's a verbal communication exercise uh, operationally in the professional context of policing. So um, that's relevant as well. Okay, uh, the individual alludes here in this, this testimonial to I left no stone unturned. Well, that's a great way to kind of go through all the kind of things that you are uncertain about, uh, unaware about, uninformed about. Lift the stone up and see if, you know, if it's something you can, can work with uh, and, uh, and, and improve on. Um, <coughs> the individual then says that there was a number of things that stood out from the inspector's toolkit. So the personal statement was one. Uh, that's something that uh, I encourage candidates to think about. Uh, it's something that absolutely sometimes converts a whole interview because at the end of the interview you, or within the interview at some stage you may get the opportunity to, to deliver a personal statement and again I've written blogs on those and they're detailed in the um, toolkit, uh, digital toolkits, uh, but it's basically an opportunity for you uh, to uh, elevate your performance and to do it uh, with uh, planning your forethought if you like. I've already considered this, I already know what my personal statement is, I already know, um, you know, why I should be promoted and I can't wait to tell the board about it. And that sometimes arises in the interview where perhaps even at the end where they say, thank you, is there anything else you would like to add uh, or anything else you'd like us to consider? And many people will go, oh no, thank you very much, thank you. And they can't wait to get out of there. Whereas actually that's a real opportunity for you to deliver a, another minute of, uh, you know, uh, explaining to them and summarising to them why they should pick you, why you, uh, I've never been ready for the, never been more ready for this role. I've never been more self-aware, career-aware, uh, and taken my CPD so seriously. I'm ready for promotion now. 
uh, and you might want to add a load of things. It's a personal statement for a reason, and you make it bespoke and personal to you and communicate that to the board. It's something that really does help convert your performance. Um, evidence formula, so I talked about LCO, which is a way of making sure, certainly as sergeants, that you are getting your evidence across at inspector level and not at good sergeant evidence level, uh, which can hold you back. Uh, so that's a, one of the little mnemonics that's in the toolkit. Um, strategic awareness. Well, I cover that in the toolkits because it's one of the areas in which many sergeants let themselves down or don't consider before a process. So what does working more strategically mean to you? What does thinking more strategically mean to you? What examples or models are you using to consider uh, at inspector level? So again, I, I won't touch too much more on there, but he talks about that there. Uh, but it's a big gap where sergeants fail because they don't, uh, you know, to get promoted or, or to make inspector because they don't understand how they are working strategically. Um, your blogs, so the individual alludes to my blogs. Again, there's lots and lots of blogs um, available on policing topics and issues and leadership uh, material. They're all free and you can read them at policepromotion.blog. Um, and it's food for thought and there's lots of things in there that you can kind of pick up, put down, uh, think and ruminate on. Um, the individual also talks about, yeah, that using the blogs for, for research and from the blogs, the signposting and direction from those blogs, since there's often links in them, he uh, went off and looked at the Federation Welfare and the morale and the staff surveys and brought it back to the role of inspector and certainly for the role of sergeant and inspector welfare well-being is a massive aspect of this now so you know people are your most important resource um, you know how will you manage uh, and lead in the area of welfare uh, or well-being what do you know about it uh, what does good look like how are you going to implement that within your team while you're leading it uh, just some thinking about that and again I've done videos bespoke to that so if you just want to sit down with a coffee and, and look through that and get orientated you can. Um, my return on investment is significant. I'm definitely all in on the return on investment concept and the cost is now insignificant when considering my pay rise and linked pension. Well of course there is a money aspect to it. Um, I always try and make sure that my toolkits, my resources are never more priced or price correctly at the point where if you choose to invest in yourself then you'll get that money back in your first paycheck it can't be any further than that if you're prepared to go all in on yourself am i prepared to keep you know the prices of my products and my guidance as well as much of it is free if you want to hit the premium stuff the premium toolkits uh, and the masterclass video uh, the full monty toolkit if you like then even when you do, and even with the discounts that I offer, the saver codes, so RS Guides 20 is one, so that's a 20% saver code, you know, you're going to get that money back in your very first paycheck in the new rank. So again, there's some fairness and some kind of return on investment uh, aspects considered there. So your attitude to return on investment, uh, it, obviously that individual's is alluded to there, is all in on the nose to win on himself uh, what's your attitude to your own investment uh, return on investment uh, you know does it mean return on investment to you or does it does it mean risk of inaction you know again just have a think around that um, he then alludes to the fact that you know um, he, he's tried other other providers uh, and you know to be fair uh, people learn differently they think differently they present differently um, different things work for people that's fine what I try and focus on is just putting out a whole load of free stuff for you to think for yourself can this work for me will it work for me well it appears to work for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds thousands of officers here that they've got it and listed it in their own words I'm listening to this podcast now in an officer's own words uh, in terms of feedback uh, could it work for me well ultimately that's your, that's your decision but I try and do the best I can in terms of making as much free content and, and blogs and podcasts and just sharing food for thought uh, available to you uh, to help inform and make your own decisions. And I think the, the good part for me here really is, you know, for the first time in years, I'm going to rest. I think that, that sentence really captures something there. 
as to how much energy and emotional investment goes into promotion and getting promoted. So that I, I've alluded in blogs to the kind of highs, the elation of passing and the lows and the dejection of being unsuccessful. But at the heart of that is still that attitude, what will you do in either case? Yes, yeah, celebrate, have a pint, have a drink, celebrate with friends, family, loved ones. Uh, you know, the, the sting of disappointment for those that are unsuccessful in this process is short term. And if you're genuinely committed to your own development, you'll understand that you learn far more from failure than you sometimes do from success. And that's an important lesson to think about as well. That alludes to your mindset. So I'm talking there around growth mindset, which I cover in the toolkit, uh, or fixed mindset, which one are you? Uh, we're all really a bit of both, but essentially promotion candidates, leaders, managers, supervisors have a growth mindset. And if you haven't got a growth mindset, then you're unlikely to prevail uh, and to be a effective leader of other people. So have a think about that because that taps into emotional awareness, which is a competency. And I've written some pretty big, long blogs on that as well. Uh, okay, so I mean, that's it really in terms of um, that particular um, testimonial. There's a lot in it, so I've unpacked some of it. I don't think I've unpacked all of it because you will probably read through that or listen to that and pick up different insights into that individual, uh, into yourself and how you think, and also into the process and thinking about what's possible and what your approach will be uh, to your promotion opportunity. So I'm not going to kind of continue much, much longer now. I'm just going to kind of bring it to an end. But wherever you are on your promotion um, journey uh, at the moment, I wish you the very best. There is help and support available. I am on the end of a phone and you can download um, <coughs> a toolkit to kind of completely transform your, your um, chances uh, at any time and improve the odds in your own favour at any time. So uh, I wish you all the very best for the future. I will be back with another podcast in due course. And until then, take care and stay safe.